Kreativ. My degenerate angels, welcome back to another episode of Tales of Taboo, your longtime favorite fast track train into the underworld. My name is Allie Weiss. I'm a native New York performer, writer, and on-air host known for my big eyebrows, big opinions, and title as the reigning princess of taboo. Thanks to my insatiable love of any and all topics, people, ideas, and experiences that, for whatever reason, are considered outside the bounds of what is socially acceptable. This podcast is an exploration of elusive subcultures and the road less traveled and life on the wrong or misunderstood side of the tracks, so to speak, as told through anonymous confessions from our listeners who have actually lived through it. Tales of Taboo is not just meant to shock, although I do absolutely j'adore shocking all of you squares, but rather it's an exploration of why we are afraid to be different and why certain people are seen as less human than others simply because of choices they make, especially when those choices often deliver the most meaningful life lessons. So I created Anonymous Confessions episodes. That was like an incredible voice crack. I feel like my balls just dropped on air. Um, What was I saying, right? I created um, Anonymous Confessions episodes in the last two seasons about escorts and nightclub bottle waitresses, two controversial ways in which women are flipping gender power dynamics by consciously profiting off of their bodies and their sexualities to incredibly successful degrees. And this week, we're continuing that conversation through the lens of porn. Like most other things in this world, the ethics of porn are very nuanced. It is truly impossible to make one broad stroke statement about whether or not the industry is harmful, because there are so many different types of people who are working in it. Like for every exploitative agent or manager, there is a production company with a strict set of on-set behavioral codes and who has their performer's best interests at heart. And for every performer who is manipulated into doing a hardcore scene or who does it out of desperation, there's another performer who is reveling in the ability to explore a fetish and get paid for it along the way. I've seen my fair share of porn videos that have made me wince, 100%, but I've also seen videos that have opened my eyes to sexual interests that I otherwise wouldn't have known that I had. And exploring those interests has undoubtedly made my life richer and my relationship with my body healthier and more comfortable. And plus now, with the stratospheric rise of OnlyFans, right, like, Performers and creators are more in control of their own bodies and images than they've ever been. Things like abuse and corruption exist in politics and corporations and educational institutions just as much as they do in porn. And since I don't have the bandwidth to speak for every corner of the industry, this episode's anonymous confessors and our one on-the-record confessor, which is very exciting— they're all performers who have had mostly positive experiences. So before we get into their confessions, let's start with the obvious, which is that sex sells. And one situation where we as a society accept this narrative without question is through models. From the Instagram-based ones who make hundreds of thousands of dollars off of bikini photos to household names on Calvin Klein billboards— 
And think about how we recently collectively foamed at the mouth at Bella Hadid getting her naked body spray-painted on the Copernic Fashion Week runway. Like, make no mistake, I think Bella Hadid is incredibly beautiful, as was that moment. But I hate the fact that her very public and filmed nudity was seen as no big deal because it was within the context of fashion and therefore art. We can also think about that movie that Gaspar Noé made called Love, where the actors are having real sex the entire time, or Blue is the Warmest Color, or Lars von Trier's Nymphomaniac. Like, explicit sex is considered acceptable and even is totally lauded if it's for the so-called purpose of delivering a higher message via the revered art form of cinema. Oh my God. Or like, think about the TV show adaptation of Normal People, Sally Rooney's book. That show got so popular specifically because of the intense sex scenes. There are literally dozens of articles in huge mainstream media outlets dissecting each scene one by one. And yet, bare nudity or explicit sex, which is captured for no purpose other than to turn people on and get them off, is seen as like the ultimate display of distaste. How does this make any sense? And you also have to consider that adult entertainment is a multi-billion dollar company and just like narrative television, is immensely popular and in some capacity engaged with behind closed doors by everyone. In fact, more people have sex than watch TV because it's something we were literally put on this earth to do. And yet, people who step up to the plate and say, hey, I can publicly admit to liking sex and I'm comfortable having sex in front of you for your pleasure— are seen as deranged and, like, assumed to have some sort of psychological trauma, especially women. Oh, my God. For some reason, there is nothing scarier to Western culture than a woman who publicly admits to liking sex. Horny women are so devoured in private and and publicly regarded as monsters. And as for the women who profit without shame off of their sexual desire, like, men will jerk off to them until the cows come home but refuse to see them as real human beings. And I say all this because I think the most important detail that gets missed is that performing in porn is performing. Sex work is work. Porn actors are acting. Of course, like, there are many corners of the internet where you can see people having real orgasms, either alone or with partners. But orgasm or no orgasm, these scenes are always professionally lit, optimally choreographed to be captured through different angles by a video camera, and more often than not, they're in service of another person's fantasy. So again, all of those components are pretty identical to a traditional movie set. So I guess the messages that I'm like trying to deliver here are one, size does not and cannot fit all. So broad stroke generalizations are unfair, especially when it comes to sexual proclivities. Also, women reclaiming their power and using their bodies to close the pay gap is incredibly business savvy and not taking feminism backwards. And the last thing I have to say is just, like, don't be a fucking hypocrite. No further explanation necessary. Okay, and without further ado, this is Tales of Taboo. Hi, my name is Mary-Kate Moss, formerly known as Mackenzie, and I've worked in the sex industry for about five years now. Um, I didn't start with porn. I actually started as a sugar baby my senior year of college. Right now, I live in New York City, and I make adult content for OnlyFans. What specifically led me to porn was just a desire to have fun, to be honest. Um... I had graduated college. I was exploring my sexuality a lot more. 
um, attending sex parties, and I just started reading about the industry online more for about a year before I got in contact with my um, first and only agent in the industry. I've just always been interested in sex, have had a lot of fun with sex. Like I said, I had been reading a lot about the industry, and so I, I read a bunch of different stuff about the agents um, out there, and there was one in particular that I came across that seemed like a good match for me, and so I wrote him. Honestly, I just think I wrote a really good email. Um, I really wanted to approach it as a business and be responsible about it. And I think he really liked that. He, um, you know, asked for my ID, obviously, and asked for pictures to be sent to his email of, you know, me without any clothes on and uh, with little to no makeup. He asked for me to hop on a call at a specific time and we got on a call and he was basically like, yeah, you just have to move out to LA. I feel like I was very lucky in the sense that my agent was able to, is very reputable and was able to find me a lot of scenes right away and also just as a part of being a part of his agency kind of made me recognizable to a lot of hardcore porn fans um, because he doesn't have a lot of girls and is kind of known for, I guess, making stars a lot of the time. I sh have shot over a hundred scenes now. I'm not sure of the exact number. I got to work with a bunch of the companies that I wanted to. I was able to do scenes that were more, you know, they actually cared about your acting, had an interesting storyline, get into character. Those were always super fun projects to be a part of and work on. And, you know, I, I've always been an ambitious person and hard on myself. So I always felt like I could be doing more or could be doing better, you know, and I feel like, you know, we probably all have those thoughts too. But yeah, I was always super shocked seeing myself on like the front page of Pornhub that happened like multiple times. And now I have like over a hundred million views on Pornhub, which is pretty wild. But I would say like most of my scenes that are currently available online were from, you know, when I was younger and I also had blonde hair and after um, going through quarantine during the pandemic I decided to shift away a little bit from mainstream porn. Just doing mainstream porn really isn't sustainable for a lot of people after the first few months because unless you blow up in a spectacular way you won't be called as much. So pretty much when I started mainstream porn, my limits were anal and gangbang scenes um, or, you know, like double penetration. But I did some kink. You know, thankfully for me, I never really had a, an uncomfortable experience on set where I felt my boundaries have been crossed. But... I also know that I'm lucky. I think it's important to do your research if you want to get into porn or any part of the sex industry and really understand what you're getting into and make sure if you do go to an agent that it's someone who is reputable and who you can actually trust. I also have had like not the best experiences, more um, outside of set. I was in a not very great relationship um, with someone who was in a position of power, and that really put a damper on my experience in LA. Also, I got my very first STIs when I was out there. I got gonorrhea in my throat was my very first 
STI. It was kind of crazy because I kept getting tested. And when it, I did not test negative for three weeks, which meant I couldn't work for three weeks. So you have to take into account these um, things, you know, these medical things that can pop up and can make you unable to work. I'm also super lucky that my family is very supportive of me as well. Um, pretty much when I decided I was going to move to LA to pursue porn, I emailed them, you know, this whole letter because I thought they were going to disown me. I, I emailed them a letter and I literally blocked their numbers so they couldn't call me and try and change my mind because I, you know, I had already booked everything. I had made my mind up and they, my mom and dad, like, both emailed me back and were like, why did you block us? Like, we love you no matter what. And I was just like, oh, my God. Why? I honestly, because you hear, you know, it, it is a big, a big choice. And you hear of a lot of people who, unfortunately, their family is unhappy with them or straight up disowns them. Um, and I feel a lot of gratitude that my family truly accepts me for who I am. The pressure of social media is, you know, this is a whole other topic, but um, there's a lot of competitiveness and comparing and, you know, it's hard to not do it sometimes. It can be hard through a screen to feel like people, you know, actually care sometimes, but I'm very grateful for all of my supporters they got me to over like 200,000 on Instagram and over 100,000 on Twitter. In relation to me kind of shifting away from mainstream porn, I decided to change my first name just because I felt like I was starting a little bit of a new chapter, shifting to be more independent in the production of my work through OnlyFans. And yeah, honestly, I felt like Mary-Kate fit me a little better. I had a lot of supporters who are really, I guess, diehard is a kind of a way to frame it. I, I think realistically, it's not really recommended unless you have a really good reason, you know, to change names because it's, I still have people like DMing me or commenting or tweet replying me being like, oh, I just like figured out that you're Mackenzie. You know, I had to reach out to porn companies to change my name on their websites because you have profiles on all of these websites. So, you know, it's a lot of behind the scenes work. And yeah, I feel like it really represents my new chapter. Also, I look pretty different. Or I mean, I changed my hair. I'm back to my natural hair color, which is more of like a dirty blonde brunette. Society still, you know, society <laughs> still has a long way to go in terms of accepting sex workers into everyday life. But I think it's gotten a lot better with the rise of OnlyFans because there's so many people doing it now, even, you know, quote-unquote influencer, in Instagram influencers, having OnlyFans, or, you know, a lot, of, a lot of different types of people have it, and I think it's becoming a lot more popularized, um, which it can be good and, good and a bad thing. Um, some people not, might not realize completely the ramifications that putting yourself naked out onto the internet has. So truly my, if anyone's listening who wants to get into this industry, my number one piece of advice is to truly do your research and read about people's experiences. I've been working in the sex industry for about eight years. It's been a while. I've always been a digital creator, meaning all my sex work has lived online on various platforms throughout the years. I wandered into the world of porn because uh, I was broke and bored. I was enrolled to go to university in the fall, and that previous winter I was living with four girls in a weird rundown house working as a nanny. And one time we were just hanging out in my room one night, gossiping, talking about life. And 
One of my friends mentioned this site that her girlfriend was using to basically post these really simple nudes and videos and was making, I don't know, a couple hundred bucks a week. The fact that you could, just an everyday girl, take a photo of yourself nude and then someone would purchase it just felt totally foreign to me and my friends. And we were all going around, you know, oh, would you do it? No, would you? I don't know. And I was so in. I was down. I made my account that night. I was like, hell yes, I can do this. I'm great at taking photographs and I've got great tits. So yeah, let's get this money. And so I started on my girlfriend and did pretty well there. And then I moved to my free cams um camming online and that I shifted to Tumblr and then Tumblr fell off and then Instagram getting banned constantly then Snapchat also getting deleted quite often there I was sort of over being deleted starting over again and at this point I did not see this as a business this was totally a hobby of self-expression even though I was making money from it it was more an outlet for me than anything else. I had a day job. But then someone told me about OnlyFans and uh, <laughs> and the rest is history. Um, once I started on that platform, once I dipped my toe in, I was immediately really successful in a way that I could never have imagined. As still to this day, I cannot believe it. It took me a while to become financially successful, but not a long time to become recognizable. Because I'm in the BBW niche, that's big, beautiful women, fat women, fat creators, plus size. It's a small niche. And so I've always been recognized in it. A lot of women will ask me how to be successful in social media. And I don't think my answer has ever wavered. It is truly be consistent and create a brand. It sounds a bit like selling out, but it really works. It's always been really surprising to me, but it doesn't matter um, what your niche is, what you look like. Consistency is everything. I hate to say it, but creativity doesn't always win. I used to post really artistic photos and post when I felt like it, and, you know, when it, when it felt right to me. And I did okay. But when I post a plain photo, very simple, um, showing off curves in a very coy way, and simple pose, no artistic composition whatsoever. They love it. <laughs> when I post that kind of photo, just in a different outfit every single day, they love it even more. I'll never understand, <laughs> but it works. I've definitely felt fetishized before, but that really comes hand in hand with being in the BBW realm, the fat porn niche. People are expecting to see fetish content. And in fact, if you're not creating fat fetish content, it's harder to be successful. This, that's where the money is. Um, it's creating eating videos or weigh-ins or um, videos where you talk about gaining weight or talk about your body and its fatness and verbalizing it and getting off to it. It's sort of a love-hate. I am not a fetish creator, but I have made fetish content because those are my most successful videos without a doubt. And just all around, that's what people want, right? That's why people subscribe to me is because I'm, I'm fat. Um, for the most part, there have been a couple people, a fair amount of people actually, who have, who have subscribed to me and, and said, basically... You know, I'm not normally into fat women, but I love what you're creating. And that always makes me feel wonderful because I, I don't love my niche. I'm a part of it. And I love being a voice and a presence in it. But I don't love the message that fetish content and typical fat porn sense 
which is usually that it's this taboo thing that you should be secretive about. Um, it inspires men who are closeted to remain closeted. You know, sometimes it's very degrading content. And there's no shame in making that content because that's money. <laughs> that's where money comes from. It's very lucrative. I think I once did, I've done about five fat, fat fetish videos um, out of the dozens and dozens of videos that I've made. More than that. I have so many videos. <laughs> but those ones have done so well. Um, probably one of those videos has made more money for me than all my other videos combined. But I also love the idea of being a different kind of BBW creator, um, one that's more about aesthetics and body worship and reveling in your, like, your form as is and calling upon men to come worship you. <laughs> I don't know. I, I like pushing back on it and I like offering a different way of getting off and that talking about how big I am or how bigger I could get, you know, et cetera, et cetera, is not as sexy as you watching me caress my round, plush, curvy body, um, bathe, get off, and do it from a place of of loving myself and being super comfortable in my in my skin and in myself. I've been in the industry since the second month into COVID, um, so essentially April 2020. I'd never been involved previously, but I actually thought about doing it years ago. And I do have other work that I do outside of it, so I keep them very separate. Um, I got into it essentially because I thought it was a great time to explore all the ideas I'd thought about years ago and thought it would just be fun or maybe it would lead to something more sustainable for me beyond COVID. I didn't really have any expectations, essentially. So I started with Instagram and then checked out platforms like Patreon, ManyVids, OnlyFans, Reddit, Pornhub, and NSFW. I essentially built my following through paid ads on Instagram. And then I reached out to some partners and friends who I knew would be down to support my pages. And then as I branched out to my other social platforms, I gained attention um, on Reddit, on FetLife, and through working um, with photographers and writers and collaborating with them on projects or scenes or shoots. I guess I started to feel successful after about a year into it, and I had a German porn production company reach out to me, and they actually offered to buy my content, which I was so psyched about. It was such a awakening moment where I was like, okay, like maybe I am actually doing something worthwhile that is worth my time and energy to expand upon this even more. Essentially, to build your audience, you need to know your brand and know how you want to package it. And so basically, this gets into digital marketing um, when it comes to brand building and like knowing the narrative that you want to invoke, knowing the types of products and services you want to produce, what kind of storyline you want to create for your fans to come back. Um, so you kind of decide if you want your brand to be represented by your face or a phrase or a logo or something like that. In my case, I chose my body as my image and my username on my first dating app uh, as my brand name. And then when it comes to putting in work hours, I typically like to create a few posts at a time uh, when I'm being really good, but sometimes I'm creating half a post or I'm creating one post at a time. Um, I just personally have a bit of a love or hate relationship with social media. So my hours spent networking, posting and creating kind of ebbs and flows based on how I'm feeling inspired. I also like to live my life away from social media and take breaks. Um, but I will say that my beauty maintenance and self-care are always on my radar, on my schedule, regardless if I'm making content. But when you're making regular collabs and regular posts and having regular ads, that definitely helps boost your algorithms on your social media. Um, things that I'm most well known for are my dirty blonde hair, my abs, my legs, and my butt. I'm known for my artistic ideas and my sloppy, raunchy scenes. Fans make suggestions every so often or make requests, which I try to make happen, but sometimes my fans can struggle to maintain the boundary of creator and fan. And Oftentimes, they'll request to meet up or to get involved with me. And granted, while I'm willing to talk to a lot of people, um, 
maybe more so than some content creators, because I think it's a fun way to get to know supporters and like get to know the types of things they want to see essentially on your pages. But I feel like I definitely need to hold back um, at times to maintain that boundary. And so the acts I perform typically are acts that I perform in real life. Um, Initially, when I start filming solo scene, it feels kind of performative when I set it up. But I'm an exhibitionist and a voyeur, so making solo content eventually becomes fun once I get into the scene. Um, I kind of feel like solo content um, feels like I'm kind of making something for a partner, um, which is definitely different than what I actually do when I'm engaging in that exact same scene when I'm by myself. Making content with others is definitely a a bit different because there's a little bit more trial and error, um, setting up the shots, and I give my scene partner directions, which sometimes translate and sometimes doesn't. So I I try to make sure that my scene partner and I are having fun with whatever angles I've set up, which can sometimes kill the shot because maybe our faces are being exposed or something, or maybe we're blocking the shot or something like that. So I feel like filming by myself is just a little bit easier at times. Um, I definitely have complete say with who I perform with, and I prefer it that way. Um, Whether it's a partner of mine or whether it's another content creator that I've collaborated with, um, yeah, I really like being able to um, be picky about these kinds of things. My most requested acts are blowjobs and girlfriend-like experiences. Most requests, they don't really catch me off guard because it's like something that I've either done before or I've heard before. Um, porn has actually taught me a lot of things. People actually enjoy making content. Um, there's loads of ethical porn out there. Ethically made porn could, I think, change the way we view entertainment and art. Porn is a part of our economy, and yet adult entertainers don't have the same job security as a person enslaved to a desk or a dehumanizing customer service job, which is just bonkers to me. Um, I think people at our core, um, crave connection and intimacy and orgasms like orgasms are healthy for animals and we're animals you know um if people understood how consent and clear communication works and had uh, deconstructed their sexual suppression i think the world would be a much better place um if people had access to all the types of intim- intimacy and sexual encounters and connections that they felt comfortable exploring i've had a number of hilarious offers <laughs> over the years um and my dms are like ridiculous i've had people offer dick pics no surprise there um to rate their dicks i've had sexual favors before they even said hello i've had people offer threesomes with their girlfriends i've had plane tickets offered to me Men have offered to serve me. I've had heaps of collaborations being offered from people who have no experience at all in making content, which is ridiculous. I've even had some haikus and some poems um, that have slid into my DMs, which are kind of sweet and sometimes terrifying. When it comes to terms like porn star or adult entertainer or sex worker, they're all basically synonymous for what I do. I really do like them, but I... um, I think when it comes to certain people, those different words will have different meanings. For me personally, like I'm a slut at the end of the day and I'm really good at it. So when I find other sluts or other sex workers, um, it's great because we're all just very accepting and um, empowered by these terms. So it's like not an issue. I kind of see this as like a not a permanent thing, essentially. Like if I wanted to, I could kind of try something else out if I wasn't interested in this anymore. Um, but I've been enjoying this so far. And so I'm just kind of thinking like, hey, if I'm interested in doing this, then why not try it out and ride the wave and see where it takes me? If it doesn't work out, then I can try something else. Um, A big life goal essentially is like, I would love to be able to take this to the next level and like see it expand and be able to travel with it. And maybe at some point I would turn it into a full-time thing. Maybe I would reveal my identity fully. Um, I'm not totally sure. I'm getting a lot of positive feedback on the stuff that I've done before. So like, I'm excited to see where this goes. I don't have like an end date in mind for this. Um, but it would be nice to be able to do this like more full time if it gets to that place. But if it's not, then like, I don't, I'm not worried about passing it by and like moving on to something else that I am passionate about. There's a lot of really interesting things I've learned about the porn industry that overlap with a lot of other industries. 
So I've been getting experience about like digital marketing and like how to operate a business, for example, which is incredible. Um, there's so many different sides to making content from the production side of things to editing, to artistic development, to the performance, and then to the digital marketing side of things. So my recommendation is if you're actually interested in the porn industry in any facet, then like, why not try it and like figure out what you're drawn to in exploring and expressing that side of yourself. I'm just like a big believer that if you have an opportunity to try things out that you're curious about, then develop your preferences, um, regardless of whatever those preferences may be, and get into the industry and figure out what you like and what you don't like. Hello there, this is Alice, and I'm here to talk about my adventures in the sex industry. And this started probably four years ago now. I was very tired of being a teacher. I felt very limited in my job and I had been always very curious about sex in general and I had, I guess, this fantasy about part of the sex industry, I suppose. And I started escorting in Berlin, but then COVID started when I was starting to be quite successful as an escort. And I was a little bit lost about what I should be doing, but I heard about OnlyFans on Twitter, I think. And... I was very resistant because I had not like really any presence on social media. I was very uh, resistant to take pictures of myself. Like there, I had a lot of resistances around a lot of it. But just seeing that I couldn't make any money anymore, I just decided to start the adventure. Which is basically how I entered porn as well. That was definitely not my first choice, but I just figured, just, just fuck it. I should just try and see how it goes. I felt safe to try something behind my computer and like doing my own things. And well, it actually worked out pretty well. Even though I can definitely tell that I was quite shy in my first porn videos, there was something about it that felt quite natural and quite joyful just in expressing myself and showing myself like as a sexual being that is something that I find very rewarding for some reason. It took me two months I'd say to have a normal salary and a couple more to have a very good salary and then probably like a year to have a ridiculously high salary. Making twice a month what my mom as a doctor makes in a year. Now the numbers are a little bit down because I've been working a bit less and also because I it seems that the golden age of OnlyFans is past but I'm definitely not complaining about my income for sure. For me the two big changes that allowed me to reach uh, those numbers was first starting to network. I joined some telegram groups some of them because I had some people I knew who were already part of the sex industry before it. Just like being present as this chats just opened so many doors for me because it was really a place to all together explore what was possible, what works, what doesn't work in a very open and giving way. Like there was always someone to help you when you needed it. And that was really something wonderful to leave because this job can be very uh, lonely sometimes and having people like that to support you was really really important for me and the second thing was when I finally decided to start TikTok uh, which definitely has the best exposure that we can have on social media and that yeah having some viral videos that definitely had an exponential impact on my income for sure. Building an audience is a lot of work. It's really a lot of work. It gets easier and easier because social media are <laughs> a little bit capitalistic. The more followers you have, the, the easier it is to reach other people. And you do need to have a clear brand persona. Uh, for myself, it's so based on... <laughs> this adorable character which is actually just myself uh, maybe a little bit cuter and a little bit sexier but it is definitely based on my personality for myself I do most of my work by myself meaning that I'm the model the photographer the editor the marketing team <laughs> I do the advertising I do I just I do all of it I do have some assistants that help me now but overall I'm 
in charge of most of the tasks that need to be done to have this kind of business. For the porn part by itself, which is actually a pretty small portion of my job, it has been an ongoing exploration of what I feel comfortable doing or not, but I just noticed that I actually am not very open to do other things that I wouldn't do in my personal life. And also because of my brand, I just try to stay as authentic as possible. Yeah, I did I did try some things that just didn't feel so good and I just like stopped doing them and it was it was fine. Um pretty nice with myself. And same for making content with partners. I I've only done it with real life partners. So I had no problem of desire or whatsoever. It felt all very natural, even though a little bit more stressful than usual. But it's been a pretty fun exploration to do as a couple as well. It's probably why I didn't experience any real trauma situations. I always check with myself um for example i realized that i don't like making uh customs like custom content for subscribers because it's touching some themes of insecurity for me and even though it might be uh, useful to go there at some point it just doesn't feel right to do it in my job that doesn't mean that i'm not taking into account what people are asking for when it does feel good and what was the most Maybe not surprising, but there is something that I find quite interesting because the most requested act is definitely where the cum should go. And there's so many possibilities. <laughs> and like, it seems that, yeah, different people want different things, but it seems that like this idea of where the cum should go is a very important topic for many people. I'm considering going back to escorting, even though I'm not quite sure yet. And there is something clear that I do not wish to mix the online world with the in real life world. There is a real feeling of safety being online. And I had the experience when I first started to meet people that were also my subscribers. And I've, I've, I felt quite lost a little bit because I do share a lot of personal things on my OnlyFans. And suddenly I was like, not sure what they knew about me and this put me in this weird situation or I had this feeling that they knew too much about me and I felt a little exposed and shy and there was yeah a little bit less safe than I used to feel so I, I know I don't really want to mix those two. Being a sex worker for me I'm mostly proud of it. I guess it's part of my coping mechanisms to, to deal with shame. I just like put myself very deep into the most shameful things and like being very comfortable in it. For me it's just like saying the world look at me I have balls because <laughs> you do need balls to do that. I am almost completely out if I feel that this could influence some things like I don't know with my banker or whatever in a negative way then I just keep it for myself or I'm being a little bit not very clear about what I do but except that I'm I'm out to all my friends uh, my family for me it is part of the job to bring some awareness about the industry about sex workers in general because it's mostly like underground I've had no real bad consequences because of the stigma and and I don't get recognized because I mostly advertise in the US and I live in Europe. I've heard some people seeing me, but they, they didn't dare to actually talk to me. For my mom, it was definitely hard to receive. I think mostly because of her own relationship to sex. I just remember her saying like, why why would you want to take care of horny men? And like, I could feel like the, the charge in the horny men and like how much like negativity there is in like expressing it this way. And she just, she doesn't understand why I would do that. She was also telling me like, you could do anything. I I used to be very good at school and I have a master's degree. I, I could basically have done anything probably, but I think what she doesn't really understand is that that's maybe because I'm smart that I'm doing this job. For relationships, it's absolutely not a problem because, well, this information is and like how people react to it is a very good kind of test, I guess, for me. Mostly the people I've been dating are super open about it and feel very proud that, yeah, this did just see me as like this empowered woman. 
and they, they just like it and they also, they also like I guess they mostly find it hot that I'm like playing with my sexuality this way I couldn't really imagine myself having a normal job like going back to teaching uh, but I could I could see myself having my own business I really enjoyed the the business part of of the job for sure I'm planning on retiring in two years but I've been saying that for <laughs> some years now so I'm just pushing it away from me I'll, I'm, I'm not sure but I'm definitely making plans to have uh, an income basically ready for when I actually want to quit the industry overall it has been a very very positive experience it, it was tough it was very tough I think for me the hardest part is like this kind of word that social media is having against sex and, and sex workers this this is very tough mentally to just like get deleted again and again and again and having to start more or less from scratch all the time and for me the sex industry as it is is a mirror of our society i don't see it as being good or bad like there is so much beauty as well in it the mainstream part of it that like what is what comes to mind when we think about the porn industry is a reflection of the mainstream culture in general and it's definitely not like the full picture I do think that platforms like OnlyFans are going in the right direction because they're giving us women and creators more freedom about what we want to share. And it's also bringing more direct connection between creators and uh, their subscribers. That said, I'm not sure I would recommend that job to people. I've had quite many friends actually uh, entering the industry that I coached. Some of them are actually quite successful. Most of, the, of them that just dropped it pretty quickly because it is a lot it is definitely a lot and you do need to be quite versatile having like a strong personality good boundaries being really like aware of what you want to do and like how to deal with uh, horny people and if i had one piece of advice for entering point that would be enjoy the ride because it is a crazy experience and uh yeah and and more than that, maybe just follow your intuition. I think that if something or someone feels off, you're probably right. Just, I think, really getting to know your intuition is super important in that job. My name is Amanda North, and I am currently studying to be a sex therapist. And I have had experience with making porn, acting in porn, doing sex work, and the truth is it can be really challenging to do this kind of work. And so, you know, one of the challenges that I've come up against a lot in my life is dating as a sex worker. While I was in different partnerships, the issue of my public performative self would come up um, quite often. And... In my first relationship, a lot of it was the issue of me being on the internet and the possibility of his family finding me and also the aspect of having family members who luckily mine are not really on the internet. The older generations are not really on the internet and the younger generations accept me for who I am, but it's tricky for me to really understand myself when I am compartmentalizing, you know, what I share and with whom I share that with. I started doing erotic modeling when I was 18 in college and it was a way to just work through college to be able to make money, to travel. I did a lot of other kinds of modeling as well, art nude, boudoir, fashion, and I really loved it. I chose to engage in erotic modeling because I have always had a heightened sexual curiosity and it was available. I was legal. So I basically said, why not? And the fact is that I was really turned on by it. And I have been really turned on by people watching me engage in sexual acts or people watching me nude or taking photos of me whatever it is I get very excited by that turned on in a way that is sexual but also turned on to life I feel passionate I feel excited at least that's kind of how it started <laughs> but the truth is it got old 
And part of that is because this industry is really dominated by men, as in male directors, male photographers, male videographers. So this was something that while in the moment I was excited to be doing the erotic performance or the erotic modeling, once I saw the results, I did not quite stand by them. So fast forward to now, I um, have an OnlyFans that I make a decent amount of income from and that's very helpful because I'm back in school again and I need extra income. So what feels really important for me right now is that the content I'm creating on OnlyFans is in integrity with the art that I want to produce. But on another note, a large part of why I have ever been interested in sex work, including anything in person, has been for the money. You know, I'm still working through it, but this idea that this subconscious idea that maybe I don't really want to be there, but I have to look at right now that women's bodies can make more money than their minds and that's not exactly how I want to be leading my life even if it's really easy can make some cash that's actually not me and my full integrity so I think that this is a humongous topic and I could talk endlessly about it so please feel free to reach out to me on instagram at amanda northstar and start a conversation Once again, my degenerate angels, I'm Allie Weiss, and this has been Tales of Taboo. Congratulations on surviving another trip into the underworld, and make sure to collect your souvenir photo on the way out. Just kidding. There is no souvenir photo, but there is merch on my website, www.allieweissworld.com. We've got the cutest sweatshirts and G-strings ready to cover your body in love. But if you're pinching your pennies but still want to support, the most helpful thing you can do is leave a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify. I know all hosts ask for this and it's high key annoying, but in my case, the more reviews the show has, the easier it is for new listeners to find the show and become future anonymous contributors, which means more entertainment and powerful life lessons for you. Also, please tell a friend and an enemy about this episode if you think it will resonate with them, because word of mouth marketing means I won't have to do something that will embarrass you all, like participating in an Instagram giveaway. Anyway, I hope that you enjoyed your hour with me, and I look so forward to seeing and hearing from you next week. Until then, be good. Follow Tales of Taboo on TikTok at Tales of Taboo and on Instagram at Tales of Taboo Pod. You can find me on TikTok and Instagram at Allie Weiss World. Tales of Taboo is part of the Eve Podcast Network and a Forever Dog production. Produced and narrated by Allie Weiss. Edited by Isabel McMahon. Executive produced by Mariah Nicholas. Intro by Chris Stathopoulos. Forever Dog Productions is Joe Cilio, Alex Ramsey, and Brett Boehm.